Well, good evening, everybody. 
Uh, try that again. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Lord's house. I'm glad that you're here and that we can gather together and celebrate and worship together today. We are in this series still celebrating the Easter good news that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And today we get to talk about resurrection of the body and the place that we will live forever in heaven. I can't wait to talk to you about what the Bible teaches us about our heavenly home and what awaits all of us because of what Jesus did by dying to forgive our sins and rising to defeat death. Today is gonna be a yes God kind of worship service, all right? So I hope you're ready for it. Our, our band seems ready to go. They are pumped and ready. We have some great music and, and um, prayers and worship. It's just good to be in the house of the Lord and I'm glad you're here with us as well. For those of you who are online, we're glad that you are participating with us as well. And we will be sharing Holy Communion together today. So for those of you at home, we pray that you already have your holy place ready, that you've got your bread and wine ready, that you'll participate with us in the uh, confession and absolution and the words of institution so that together, no matter where we are, God will join us around the body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. So glad you're with us as well. Uh, some announcements before we dig in today. Uh, I wanna highlight our congregational meeting, which is coming up on May 15th. You know, we only have one annual congregational meeting scheduled. And so there's some important things we'll talk about together and decide together. We'll talk about our budget. Uh, we will elect new people on our board of directors. And so if you care about that, uh, there is a little uh, booklet on the table out there that has those uh, who are um, up for election, a little biography about them, so you can learn who they are so that when you vote for those folks, uh, you're not just voting for a complete stranger. So uh, grab that on your way out. And then we'll be also um, this year having the, um, um, the voters meeting online. So you can participate with us online. You can even vote online. And so uh, if you're planning on doing that, joining us in the meeting uh, via the Zoom, uh, you need to make sure that your email is current on our church system. If you don't have a current email, that's kind of how we validate the, uh, the folks who are voting, uh, then it won't work. So make sure you have a very valid email in our system so that you can vote. If you have questions about that, call our church office. Um, then some worship notes are listed in your announcement bulletin. You know, we are soon approaching the end of our education Sunday. We're approaching our summer schedule. Uh, we're um, approaching the end of our Wednesday evening services. So all of that stuff is listed for you in your announcement bulletin. Make sure you're uh, tracking all of that and keeping up to date with our changes in our schedule. And then last, I'm gonna ask Steve to say some words about Eliza, our wonderful new worship intern, and uh, we wanna officially welcome her. So Steve, you wanna share? Yeah, so some of you have been hearing and watching Eliza here for almost, I don't know, a month, two months, depends upon how many times you've seen her. But um, her first official day was March 1st, and she has committed to be an intern through the summer. Um, so we just thank her for helping us out here and leading us in worship. Um, some of you who have, if you haven't met her, just come on up. Feel free to come up and meet her after the worship service. But we'll be uh, working together here for, up through the summer at least, and um, this weekend leading all three worship services. So we're just really thankful that she decided to come join us at Faith, and uh, just want to welcome her uh, officially at, to Faith. Yay, Eliza! You're gonna love her, I guarantee it. A, she can sing like an angel, and B, she loves the Lord Jesus, and it just shines out of her heart, which we love. So 
Glad you're with us, Eliza. You know, one thing I forgot to say, uh, you can also watch or, or download the uh, outline, sermon outline for today on your device or your phone. If you don't know how to do that, there's a yellow card on the table which will get you all set up to do that. So when we get to the sermon, you can either have the hard copy or you can use it on your phone. Then you can keep notes there. You can send it to a friend. There's all kinds of cool things you can do online. Uh, so if you want to do that for the outline, uh, this is the instructions on how to do that. Okay, all that being said, you got all ready to worship the Lord tonight? Why don't you stand as we, be, as we begin with our call to worship? Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed, Alleluia. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God the great king above all gods. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you.
amen, amen, he is alive. And we would not be alive if, if he had, didn't rise from the, from the dead. And that is why we praise his name. He freed us from the consequence of sin, which is death. But that does not mean that we do not continue to sin. And therefore, because we do sin, we still need to confess. So let us confess our sin to the Lord as we read Psalm 38, 18. I confess my iniquity. I am troubled by my sin. Our sin holds us back from growing closer to God and following his will. But we confess we are sinners and surrender our will to God. We acknowledge our failures and give them up to the Father in confession. I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Let's take a moment now for just some personal quiet reflection time as we confess our sins to God, reflect on the words that we just said from the Psalm. Well, my friends, it is so good to be able to be in the Lord's house and just not to have to pretend. You know what I mean by that? When we come to church, we don't have to pretend that we've got it all figured out or that we don't struggle with life and sin and doubts and fears. We don't have to put on a mask and act like we're all good so God will love us. We can just come and be honest and be who we are and come to God in our brokenness, in our sin, in our confession, and just know that our Father God loves us still, loves us so much that he would even send his only son to die for our mistakes and our sins so that we might be forgiven. It's my joy and delight as one of your pastors to again just remind you of the love of God and to announce to you that your sins are forgiven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Congregation may be seated.
bow our heads to speak to God in prayer. Oh, gracious Lord, it is true. In Christ alone, our hope is found. It's not found in our efforts. It's not found in our good deeds. It's not found in anything other than Jesus Christ, who loved us, died for us, rose again from the dead for us, and promised us that one day he will come and take us by the hand to the place he has prepared for us in heaven. Lord, as we think about that tonight, we just are grateful and thankful and pray that you would make this good news an ever-present source of help in our lives every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, now we turn to the word of the Lord. And this first, you have you, if you've been with us the last several weeks, we've been working through 1 Corinthians 15. It's the great resurrection chapter in the Bible. And today, St. Paul is going to talk to us about the the miracle of physical rebirth, how after we die, our bodies are raised up again, glorious, sinless, to spend eternity with God. We're gonna hear the word tonight from the message translation of the Bible, from 1 Corinthians 15. St. Paul said, well, some skeptic is sure to ask, show me how the resurrection works. Give me a diagram, draw me a picture. What does this resurrection body look like? Well, if you look at this question closely, you realize how absurd it is. There are no diagrams for this kind of thing, but we do have a parallel experience in gardening. You plant a dead seed, soon there is a flourishing plant. There's no visual likeness between seed and plant. You could never guess what a tomato would look like by looking at a tomato seed. What we plant in the soil and what grows out of it don't look anything alike. The dead body that we bury in the ground 
and the resurrection body that comes from it will be dramatically different. You'll notice the variety of bodies is stunning. Just as there are different kinds of seeds, there are different kinds of bodies. Humans, animals, birds, fish, each unprecedented in its form. You get a hint at the diversity of resurrection glory by looking at the diversity of bodies, not only on earth, but in the skies. Sun, moon, stars, all these varieties of beauty and brightness. And we're only looking at pre-resurrection seeds. Who can imagine what the resurrection plants will be like? This image of planting a dead seed and raising a live plant is a mere sketch at best. But perhaps it will help in approaching the mystery of the resurrection body, but only if you keep in mind that when we're raised, we're raised for good, alive forever. The corpse that's planted is no beauty, but when it's raised, it's glorious. Put it in the ground weak, but it comes up powerful. The seed sown is natural. The seed grown is supernatural. Same seed, same body, but what a difference from when it goes down in physical mortality to when it is raised up in spiritual immortality. And so we follow this sequence in Scripture. The first Adam received life. The last Adam is a life-giving spirit. Physical life comes first, then spiritual, a firm base shaped from the earth, a final completion coming out of heaven. The first man was made out of earth, and people since then are earthly. The second man was made out of heaven, and people now can be heavenly. In the same way that we've worked from our earthly origins, let's embrace our heavenly ends. And this is the word of the Lord. And now we turn to the gospel from John chapter 14. I think it's one of the greatest promises that Jesus makes in the entire Bible from verses 1 through 14. Since these are his words, let's rise in honor to him. And so our Savior promises each of us, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. Now I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? 
The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our risen Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Now would be a good time for you to pull out your sermon outline or open it up on your phone or device as we work through the Word of God together tonight. And you can see I'm going to focus on this promise of Jesus we just heard in the gospel. The top of your outline, you'll see that verse from John 14, 3, where Jesus said, I will come back to take you to be with me. This is the beautiful promise of scripture, isn't it? That this world is not all that there is, that this is not everything, but the day is coming when we close our eyes in death, when Jesus will come and fulfill this promise and take us by the hand to the place that he has made and prepared for us, the place called heaven. And when we go, we know that we go bodily. We have a bodily resurrection where we will spend eternity with God. So I just wanna talk to you about where we're gonna live for all of eternity. See, I have this theory. I have this theory that we care a whole lot more about earth than we do about heaven. Or we're more concerned about earthly things than we are about heavenly things. Maybe it's just the, the tyranny of now, this is the immediate thing that we're in right now. But I think sometimes we don't really look forward to heaven. We don't really anticipate heaven because we don't really know what's gonna happen or what it's gonna be like. And so we just kind of push it off and we don't think about it. We know it's there somewhere, but it doesn't do anything to motivate us. It doesn't do anything to help us live our lives. It doesn't do anything to prepare us for the day when Jesus comes again. And that's why I wanna spend some time today talking to you about what the Bible teaches us about heaven. I mean, it's not a mystery. The Bible is pretty clear about a lot of things about heaven. And it's pretty clear about a lot of things that we think about heaven that aren't true. For example, right? A lot of us think that when we get to heaven, that heaven is gonna be a place that's like we see in the movies all the time. Everything is white and you're gonna be wearing a white robe and maybe you'll have a halo, maybe you'll have wings, I don't know. Maybe you've seen a, a picture of you, uh, you picture yourself floating around on a cloud, playing and strumming a harp for all eternity. Listen, I don't know about you, but that's not heaven, that's hell to me. <laughs> for eternity, I don't think so. But the good news is that's not at all what the Bible tells us that heaven is gonna be like. We don't come back as an angel. We don't come back and get wings. We don't wear a white robe for all eternity, right? We come back as people. We come back in the flesh. We come back as we are and as God intended us to be, real people with all the sins and mistakes and brokenness of life washed away. 
So you see, sometimes we have these crazy ideas. Who would want to go to a heaven like that? Instead, let's look at what the Bible really tells us that heaven is and what it's like and what we have to look forward to. So if you look at your outline, you see I'm gonna talk about some questions I'm gonna answer. I wanna answer what the Bible say, what is heaven? Where is heaven? What is heaven like? How do we get there? And how should we live knowing that it's waiting for us? So let's start with this first question. What is heaven? If you're filling in your blanks on your outline, write this in. Heaven is where God lives and rules. It's just the place where God lives and rules. In the Bible, heaven is called the dwelling place of God. In the Bible, heaven is called the house of God. In the New Testament, 31 times, Jesus calls heaven the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is God's, 31 times. So we know that, that heaven is this place where, where God lives and rules. Secondly, write this in your outline, it's a real place. Write that in there, it's a real place. It's not a state of mind, it's not a sort of a, a state of being, it's not disembodied sort of condition where you're floating around, it's not nirvana, it's not a feeling, it's not a dreamlike state, it's a physical, real place. Why do I know that's true? Look at the verse I put from our text, from John 14, 2. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many rooms. If or not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. A place, a real place. So heaven isn't just some weird, foggy, float-around place. It's a physical place where our physical bodies will spend all of eternity. So it's the place where God lives and rules. It's a real place. And third, this is my favorite part. It's a place that's designed for you. Again, you heard Jesus say, I'm gonna go and prepare a place for you. I also printed this um, verse from Matthew 25, where Jesus said, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. This is our amazing God. He didn't just design earth for us. He also designed heaven for us. So heaven is gonna be this beautiful place that has everything you want, everything that you need. It's designed specifically for you. It's not like some Motel 6 that's just like for anybody, but it's for you. It's a room that's designed for you. It's a place that's got what you need and what you desire and what you'll have for all eternity. I love the Hebrews 13, five passage. For this world is not our home. We're looking forward to our city in heaven, which is yet to come. God wanted this beautiful family to be with him for all of eternity. And you know the word, the, the church word, or the Bible word for the family of God? Do you know what it is? It's the church. The church is the one thing that's gonna exist forever. The people of God. The family of God will live with God for all of eternity in this beautiful place that was prepared for each and every one of us. That's our amazing God. That's how much he loves you. And that's how much he wants to spend all of eternity with you. So that's what is heaven, where God lives and rules, a real place and a place that's designed just for you. Now, where is heaven? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? The answer is, well, we really don't know, but if you're filling in your outline, you can put this, it's out of this world. 
right? Whatever it is, we know it's not here on earth. It's out of this world. You know, the passage I printed, God looks down from heaven at people on earth. Heaven's not here on earth. It's somewhere else, this place of heaven. I wish I knew where it was. We don't know the location of heaven, but we know the way to get there. Jesus said that in our text. He said, how do you get there? Thomas, you know, Philip said, how do we get there? Jesus, I'll tell you, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we don't know the location of heaven, but we know how to get there. We know the way to get there. We know the path, and that's through Jesus who takes us to be with him there. All right, so what is heaven like? Can you imagine having explain the beauty of heaven to someone who's never seen it before? That was poor St. John in the book of Revelation. He had this amazing vision of what heaven is like, and then he had to come back and put it into words. How do you explain something that is incredible, something that is so hard to explain? How do you, how do you tell another person about an experience that was so incredible and moving? You know, uh, some of you might know my, my dad has season tickets for the Green Bay Packers. And our two seats, right next to us is one single lone seat. And whoever owns that seat sells it to a broker every year. And so we'll always have every game a new person sitting next to us at the Lambeau Field football game. And almost always, it's someone who's like, man, I've always wanted to come to Lambeau Field. You know, and my favorite story of this is a guy who flew all the way from Alaska. And he's sitting next to me at the game. He's like, man, this is the best thing ever. And this was a Monday night game where we all got these cards that we held up and it turned the Lambeau Field into like an American flag. I don't know if you've ever seen the pictures of that from above. And there was a flyover with the American flag. And I looked over at the guy and he was weeping. He's like, this is even better than I imagined, right? I'm not saying Lambeau Field is heaven, but I'm saying some things are just impossible to explain to another person better than we could ever imagine. And that's heaven. Check out the verse St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 2.9 said, no eye has ever seen and no ear has ever heard and no mind has ever imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Whatever heaven is, it is gonna be beyond our wildest dreams. It is impossible to explain, but there are clues that the Bible gives us, right? Clues to help our imagination. I wrote down just a few on the bottom of your outline here. There's some things that the Bible tells us heaven is and some things that it's not. First of all, heaven is not, uh, there is no sickness in heaven. Right? There just, we won't be any more illness. There, our text talked about this, the, the body is like planted in the ground. The old broken body is dead and buried, but this new beautiful body with no illness or sickness or imperfections is raised again to life. In heaven, there'll be no more sickness. So cancer and heart disease and Alzheimer's and dementia and all the things that trouble us in this world, not in heaven, all of that is left behind. It's buried in the ground. There's also no sadness there. It says that, it will, that God will wipe away all of our tears. There'll be no more crying in heaven. Do you know there's a beautiful verse uh, in Psalms where it says, it says, God, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. Every tear that you cry here on earth, God collects in his bottle. 
He knows every tear, every sorrow, every hurt, every pain. He collects in a bottle your tears. And when you get to heaven, that whole bottle is left behind. When you get to heaven, there, all of those tears are buried with Jesus at the cross. And all of the sorrows that came along with it are gone. And it is just joy and peace and happiness. No sadness, no sickness, no suffering. Right again, the Bible says that, that there'll be no hunger or thirst or no scorching heat. There'll be no more suffering. There's no sin. No imperfections are allowed into heaven. It's a perfect place. So all of our sin and brokenness, all of our hangups, all of our mistakes, again, all left at the cross, buried in the ground, and no death. Our ultimate enemy itself, gone. No more fears about the ultimate separation, death. That's what's not in heaven. What is in heaven? The Bible says there's gonna be a reunion. Talk about a reunion. Every single person who has ever lived is raised to new life. Every believer will be together in the greatest family reunion of all time. All the people that you've known and loved who have gone before you, they're there. All the people that you haven't even met yet, your great, 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 great grandchild will be there. We'll all be gathered together in this beautiful family reunion, celebrating and rejoicing in the grace and the goodness of God. It's an amazing reunion. And there's also, this is weird, the rewards. There's rewards in heaven. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting how many times the Bible says that when you get there, there'll be a reward. Like Jesus said, if you give even a cup of water to the least of my brothers, great will be your reward in heaven. There's rewards there. In other words, all of the good we do is acknowledged. I mean, this isn't about salvation. We're saved apart from our works and our rewards, right? We're saved because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. But yet, the good things that we do are acknowledged by God. And we are thanked and rewarded by God for those things in heaven too. So there's reunion, there's rewards, there's responsibilities in heaven. There'll be things to do, there'll be purpose. There's a reason for you to be there. You just don't sit on your heavenly couch all day watching Andy Griffith, right? I mean, there, there's purpose in heaven. There's a reason every day will be filled with purpose and fulfillment like you don't even know or experience now. And there'll be rest. Often the Bible talks about rest and peace. None of the tired chasing after our tails that we do now, just real rest and relaxation and peace. And finally, there'll be rejoicing. Oh my gosh, well, they'll be rejoicing. There'll be worship in heaven. They'll be celebrating in heaven. There'll be fellowship in heaven. We'll be enjoying one another in heaven. We'll be loving each other in heaven. It is a time of rejoicing for all eternity. Does that sound good to anybody? This is the gift that's ours in Jesus Christ, the gift of him taking us by the hand as he promised to the place he has prepared for us. So if you wanna flip your outline, right? How in the world do we get into this wonderful place? I mean, who wouldn't wanna be there? The good news is <laughs> it's a done deal. Jesus has already done it for you. He's already paid the price. He's already punched your ticket. He's already prepared a place for you. Now it's just a matter of time before you take that place. Heaven is your home. And we know the beautiful verse of John three sixteen: whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's all it takes. Believe and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and heaven is your home. Maybe you've heard me say this before. It is so true. Heaven for a believer is never a question mark. It is always an exclamation point. 
That's the good news for us in believers. It's an exclamation point. It's a done deal. All right, so knowing all of this, let's close with this. How do we live now that we know we're going to heaven? Now we know this place is waiting for us. Now that we know Jesus has prepared this glorious place for us, what do we do in the meantime here on earth? What do we do? Well, first, write this in your outline, don't be distracted by temptation. It's so easy to forget the glory of heaven, to forget the purpose that God has given us here on earth and get distracted by the things in this world. Look at 1 Peter 2.11 said, you are only visitors here on earth. Since your real home is in heaven, keep away from the evil pleasures of this world, for they're not for you, for they fight against your very souls. We just need to remember that we're just passing through this place. This is not our home. We're just passing through. So along the way, don't get distracted by all the bangles and, 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 uh, and all of the temptations. Instead, keep your focus on heaven. Right, second, don't be discouraged by trouble. Again, the verse is real clear. Uh, the last sentence of 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 18, it says, the troubles will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. When we live in the light of heaven, it helps the troubles of this world sort of diminish some. When we see things in perspective that the troubles of this world last for just a time, but heaven lasts forever, it helps us keep our perspective. And it sort of pushes the fears and the worries down a little bit, makes them a little smaller, a little less worrisome when we know and keep our perspective on heaven. So don't be distracted by temptation. Don't be discouraged by the troubles of the world. And finally, focus your energy on the things that will last. Spend your time here in this world thinking about the things that matter, the things that are eternal. Spend your time loving the Lord your God with your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Spend your time investing in the things that will last forever. And you know what those are? Us, the people of God. Invest your time in the church, the people of God, because that's what's gonna be uh, lasting for all of eternity. So focus your energy on the things that will last, not the things that are here today and gone tomorrow. So brothers and sisters in Christ, is this good news today, right? Heaven is our home. This is what we have to look forward to. This is the gift that has been given to us. And I pray that along uh, the way until that day comes when Jesus fulfills that promise, that you will uh, always keep that focus and be ready for that day. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, my friends, well, let's say thank you to God for what he has done for us and what he has given us with our offerings. As the ushers come by with the baskets, I wanna say thank you for your giving. Uh, those of you who are participating online tonight, you can see ways that you can give by text or on our website. However you choose to do it, thank you for helping us share the good news of heaven, share the good news of Jesus with our world. So thanks for your giving. crown
crowned with glory now. The Savior knelt to wash our feet. Now at His feet we bow. The one who
And once again, we bow our heads to speak to our amazing God in prayer. Well, dear Lord, by the power of your spirit, we know that we will rise from the ashes of defeat. We know that the resurrected King Jesus is also resurrecting us because we believe his promise. We believe him when he said that he would come and take us by the hand to the place he has prepared for us in heaven. And so Lord, in your name, we come alive. We come alive now and for eternity to declare your victory and to share the good news with the world. Thank you, God, for this reminder this day of what you have done for us and the purpose we have here in this world. Lord, we wanna also pray tonight for those who are struggling with health issues and who really need your healing touch and power and love. We lift up to you Pat Mitum, who has upcoming surgery this week. We pray for Shirley Stevens, Kathy Reith as she recovers from surgery, for Jane Geske, who just hasn't been feeling well lately, for Carol Betcher, who is in the hospital, and for the many others on our ongoing health and healing prayer list. God, we pray that you would use your good gift of medicine and doctors and gifted nurses to share and heal and accomplish your will. Lord, we also celebrate today with Duane and Jan Krause in 65 years as husband and wife, and Bob and Joan Brinkman celebrating 67 years together. Lord, we're so thankful for the love and faithfulness that you've given them through the years and pray that their example would be one of love for all who are married. Lord, we also wanna lift up our upcoming congregational meeting on May 15th that the words we share and the choices and decisions we make would lead us forward here at Faith Church into our community and our world with the good news of the resurrected Jesus so that everyone can have the joy that we have in the hope of eternity. So bless that, that meeting, Lord, that in all things we give you glory, honor, and praise. So these and all other prayers we are bold to bring before you, not because of us, but because of Jesus himself, who taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, on the very night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For those of you who are at home, now would be a good time for you to take and eat and drink the body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. For those of us here, take a moment now to share the peace and joy that we have in God with one another before you are seated and come to the Lord's table.
Well, having received this great gift, would you please stand? And now, friends, may this true body and blood of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve you steadfast in the true faith unto life everlasting. Go now in the peace, joy, and great forgiveness of your God. And as you go, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and forever give you his peace. Amen. <laughs>